turn your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. So this time of year, the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and a lot of people and the just kind of the feel and the culture is joyful. And, and as Pastor Duana kind of talked, touched on this morning and all of the good things and the delicious cookies and well, he likes fruitcake. I'm more of a apple pie and, you know, ice cream and scalp potatoes and all that great stuff. But tonight I want to preach more of a, a different message. It's, it's called the eye of the storm. Holidays are great, and, but some holidays are not always a happy time. I remember last year in our, my family, we had, we had Christmas in the rehab. And I just want to kind of give you guys a thought. Just think about all the people this year that may be in the hospital, or just think of thousands and thousands of people just in Ocean County that are in the hospital, and there's children in the hospital. And you say, Anthony, it's really dark, and they're supposed to be happy at Christmas time. But I just want us to get a glimpse of maybe even people in here that are hurting, and many families. I mean, I can you come to me, I'll give you a list of them that are hurting this holiday. And people that are spending the holiday alone. I remember I talked to one person and they said, well, I have this friend in the nursing home, and I'll visit her. And she says, well, I'm just glad I won't be alone for this Christmas. And we don't think of that. We all think we have our family, and we have our great traditions and all the fun times that we have. But some people do spend the holidays alone. And so help. So today we're going to talk about the eye of the storm. So whether that's you, you say, Anthony, that's me. I'm going through a really tough time now. And it may be a little storm. It may be a big storm. It may be... You know, maybe you just lost your job or, you know, they're not giving you that, that Christmas bonus that you thought you were going to get. Or it may be an unsaved loved one or an unsaved spouse or it may be a wayward son or daughter. Or it may just be that you're not where you used to be spiritually. There's a lot of different types of storms that we go through. And we're going to look through some of them in the scripture today. But maybe that's not you. Maybe, you know, it's Christmas time and you're having a great time with your family. And, but maybe God's called you to be a help to somebody this year. So today we're going to talk about the eye of the storm. Read with me in uh, Mark chapter 6 and verse 45. It says, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before Bethesda while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was, when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and he would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. For they all saw him and, and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up up onto them into the ship, and, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for the, the comfort, God, that we find in the Bible. But God, I thank you for the conviction that we find in the Bible. God, I pray that we would live it. God, I pray that I would live it, and you would help me, God, with this message tonight as I need it. God, I thank you for all you've done for us. I pray that you'd be with me, God. I pray that you'd give me the words to say. God, I pray that we would all meet with you tonight, God, that nobody would remember me, God, but they would think of you and that we would all get something from your word tonight. 
God, I just thank you for the opportunity, how privileged I am, God, to be here and in this pulpit. God, I thank you for Pastor. I thank you for this church. God, I pray you'd bless them. I pray you just continue to grow this church, God, and I thank you for all you've been doing so far in our church. God, I pray you'd bless the message tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you read with me in verse 50 of Mark chapter 6, it says, For they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. So tonight I want to give you a few thoughts on the eye of the storm. And we see that that eye is Christ. And we got to realize that when you're in the storm, a lot of times we like to take our eyes off the eye of the storm. And we like to put our eyes on other things. And we like to put our eyes on whatever it may be. But tonight, through a few points, talk about the eye of the storm, which is Jesus. So first off, we see the sovereign Savior. In verse 45, it says, In straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before into Bethesda while he sent them away. It says he constrained them. If you look, and we won't turn there, but in Matthew 8, 23, it talks about how his disciples, which is just a, a parallel chapter of the same passage. And he talks about he, his disciples followed him into the storm. And just a simple thought is you may follow Jesus into a hard time. When in, the, in this Christian life, it's not always going to be, you know, mountaintop. It's not always going to be, you know, all your bills are paid for and everything. And you have lots of money and everything's going well. You may be in the valley. You may be going through a hard time. And it may be during the Christmas time. It may be during, you know, Thanksgiving time. It may be during... The storm doesn't, ha- doesn't come when you want it to come. And just the simple thought that God is in control. Regardless of what situation you're in, regardless of what time of the year it is, God's still in control. God's still in control no matter what you're going through and no matter what time of the year it is, God's in control. It said he constrained them. It means that Jesus told his disciples to go into the ship. He didn't say, oh, don't go there. You're going to go into a storm. No, he, he told them to go. And he, you may be in your life and you feel like, oh, well, I knew this was God's will, but something bad happened. Well, that might be God's will too. It may be God's will for you to go through a hard time. And you say, Anthony, well, I, I just thought this Christian life was all great and I'm never going to go through anything difficult. That's not true. But in reality, unsaved people go through the same things we go through. But when we have Jesus living inside of us, we go through storms with the Savior. We go through the storms with the eye of the storm. He constrained them. God was in control. We see, you may follow Jesus into a storm. Following Jesus is not a life without storms, but it is a life where the creator of the storm goes through the storms with you. God ordains storms to test your faith. Now, tonight we're going to go through a, different, a couple of different types of storms. In the gospel, there are two recorded storms that Jesus and his disciples go through. One, so just kind of clarify, one, we see Jesus walking on the water, and we know the story, and Peter said, you know, God, if that's you, bid me come, and then Peter walks, then he looks around, then he falls. But the other story is when Jesus was sleeping, and, and his disciples were, the disciples woke him up, and he, and he said, you know, where is your faith? So we're going to go through both storms tonight and go through a, different, a few points. So if you see me flip-flopping through the different storms, God ordains storms to test your faith. Storms just happen. Some storms just happen. So there may be a storm where it just kind of pops into your life and you didn't expect it, whether it's a death or whether it's maybe you know, a job getting laid off. You know, some things just happen, you know, some things that you can't control. But there are also storms in our lives 
that we create. There are storms in our life because of whether it's our sin, whether it's poor choices that we create. Now, if I were to say, okay, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to drive like a crazy person and I'm going to go through every light I can find and I get pulled over and I lose my car. I may be going through a storm of the fact that I no longer have the car and I have to walk everywhere, but that was my fault because of a bad choice, because of a sin I made. Or you may be going through a storm that is just happening because life happens. Life happens to the unsaved and it happens to the saved. The Bible says that the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So storms happen. But know this, that storms end. Every storm in the Bible ends. Every storm in your life will end. Every recorded storm ends. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. And like I said, this is another one of those storms. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 30 and verse 35, this is the storm where they found Jesus sleeping. In verse 35, and it said, And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto him, Let us pass over unto the other side. I want to focus on that, those few words, and the same day. So what day was it? Well, if we look into some previous verses, it's Jesus giving them parables, and we look at the parable of the mustard seed, and we know that, that Jesus says, If you have a faith of the grain of mustard seed, and we all know that story, but if we realize here that Jesus said the same day, so the same day that he told them that parable to have faith, he tested their faith. So we see that trials are there to test your faith. We see, that, and we see that very clearly in the scripture because when they were afraid and they were frantic and Jesus said, where's your faith? Because he just told them the chapter before, you know, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can move mountains. You can do great things. And having faith in God can push you through the storms. In Mark chapter 4, we read that the same day. Jesus wanted them to put his teaching into practice. Whatever happens, God is in control. So don't lose faith on him and don't stop praying. So we'll turn back into Mark chapter 6. In Mark chapter 6, in verse, in verse 46, and he said, And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. So we're going to pause here for a little bit and talk about praying through the storm. One of the key things that I've found in my life, no matter what happens, God's always there. I remember Pastor preached a message, a great message a couple weeks about you're not alone and God is always there. And we can always pray to God. Now, you can, now we see here, Jesus prayed, and when he was led and he sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. Jesus prayed before the storm to help others in the storm. You may not be in the storm, but God may be calling you to pray for other people. I can tell you in my own life and in my family's life, there's times when people just text me or text my family, or, you know, we're praying for you. Or they send us cards, you know, we're praying for your family. And I'm, I'm not trying to be like weird about it, but you can feel it when people are praying for you. You, you, you just know it. When something happens, it's like, wow, that was, that was God. And you know what, I, and then sometimes I'll think in my own life, you know, I actually didn't pray for that. And God reminds me, well, someone else did. When you're in the storm, you want people praying for you. And, but, you know, the Bible says, do unto others as you have them to do unto you. And it talks about you reap what you sow. So when you're in the storm, you want people praying for you. If you have a friend, if you have people in the church that you're close with and you know they're going through it, pray for them. There's, I think of the, the family in our school with the little girl that had brain surgery. You know, God puts that on my heart. Pray for them. I know there's people in here with unsaved family. God puts it in my heart. Pray for them. And when you pray for them, be a blessing. Text them. Say, hey. I'm praying for you. Is there anything you need? We're, we're Christians. God, we're a unit. We're a body in Christ. We're not just, you know, we come to church, we do what we do, and we leave. But God has brought us together to fellowship and to help each other out. Be, 
in uh, in point two is a praying partner. Jesus prayed before the storm so we can help others in the storm. In Matthew fourteen, in Matthew chapter fourteen and verse twenty three, if you want to hold a place in Matthew fourteen and Mark six, that's where we'll, we'll be most of the night. Matthew fourteen, in verse twenty three, says, and when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. When you pray, pray alone. Now, it's great to pray with people, and you should. Pray with people, pray for people. But there's nothing like alone time praying with God. And, and, and I talk about it a lot. I feel like every time I preach, I mention it. But it's just the key to the Christian life is praying alone with God, is having a relationship with God. If you don't have a relationship with God when the storms come, you're going to fall. You're going to fall apart, and then, you know, when, when those times come, you run to God, and that's good. But if you run to God before the storm comes, you can make it through the storm easier. Pray alone with God. If Jesus, this is, somebody told me this before, if Jesus had to get alone with God, how much more do we have to get alone with God? Je- Jesus was perfect. He didn't have any sin. He didn't have nothing wrong with him. And we are, you know, frail, imperfect, sinful Christians, and we need to get alone with God. It'll change your life. Prayer changes everything. Prayer, we heard it say, prayer you know, moves a hand that moves the universe. There's a lot of things, and this is a little bit later, but we, we won't pray for things, and then we'll get mad at God for not giving it to us. You can't get mad at God for something you didn't pray for. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. We look further, further into the chapter, it says that in the other storm where Jesus was sleeping. You say, Anthony, well, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed, but I feel like Jesus is sleeping. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, I believe. Yes, Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, or 24. It says, And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. So in your storm, and you feel like Jesus is sleeping, run to him and wake him up. And you say, Anthony, how do I wake up Jesus? That doesn't even make any sense. Pray to him. You see here that Jesus didn't wake up on his own. The disciples waked him up. You say, Anthony, I don't feel like Jesus is involved in my life. Well, pray to him and wake him up. If, if Jesus would have never woken up unless the disciples came to him. So Jesus is waiting for you to come to him with your troubles. It, the Bible says in 1 Peter, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. There's no doubt in my mind that there's a lot of people in here going through things that maybe nobody knows about. There's come, maybe it's just you and your husband or you and your wife that know about it. And you need to bring those things to God. God wants to help you. And we talk about how running to God and praying to God. Pray for yourself in your storm. Say, you know, we talk about praying for other people, but pray for yourself when you're in your storm. Pray to ask God to give you strength that you don't think you had. And there's times when you need to, you need to be dependent on God for strength. The storm is never a reason to stop praying. God never excuses sin because of what you are going through. The Bible says in 1 Samuel that I should sin in ceasing to pray for you. It is a sin not to pray. Say, Anthony, well, I've never heard it before. And I remember I read it in, a, in the prayer advance. Many of you have been in the prayer advance. Maybe you haven't. But if it's your first year, they give you this little pamphlet. It says, Sweet Hour of Prayer. And one of the questions in that pamphlet is, are you guilty of the sin of prayerlessness? And I'm like, huh, 
I didn't know that was a sin. And then they showed you the verse where it says, and, and I should sin in ceasing to pray for you. So when you get down or the storm comes you about and you say, you know, God put the storm on me, so I'm not going to talk to him anymore. You know, that's the wrong attitude. And God doesn't look at that and say, oh, it's okay. You're going through a hard time. You don't have to pray anymore. No, you, we should be writing to God. We should be running to God knowing that he's the one who put us, or he's the one who is in control of the storm. It is never, there's never a good reason to stop praying. And, I, and sometimes it's hard. I'm not, I'm not going to come up here as, you know, the pastor and tell you, oh, yeah, it's easy. Just pray and all your problems go away. Praying is difficult sometimes. Now, sometimes it's easier. Sometimes you just, you get up and you're tired and you're like, well, I got a busy day today. Those are the days that you need God most. And you need God every day. But when you finally get into the, I mean, I've heard people say is a prayer mode. You say, Anthony, how do I get into the prayer mode? Well, here's some practical help that not in my notes. A good way to start your day is say, you know, if you're tired and not feeling like praying, is either just start praying and then you'll get into it. Or what I like to do is sing. Say, Anthony, I'm not a good singer. Well, sing when no one can hear you. Sing praises to God. The Bible says, enter in his courts with thanksgiving and praising. It is a biblical thing to praise before you do your devotion. You say, Anthony, I've never heard that before, but I promise you, try it out. You, you, you'll, just, you'll praise God, you'll see God who, for who he really is, and it'll just be so much easier to pray for him. Because when you realize that God is higher, and God is lifted up, and God is holy, and you're singing praise to him, you can't help but talk to him. I mean, it's crazy that sometimes I get into this state where it's like, oh, well, I didn't need to pray today. We always need to pray, and we need to ask God and talk to God. If everybody prayed like you prayed, how much praying would get done? If everybody prayed for other people in their storms, how much praying would get done? You know, I can look, if, if somebody needs a prayer request, do they go to you? If I needed a prayer request to get done, who would I go to? If you needed a prayer request to get done, who would you go to? Be, be a prayer warrior. Be somebody that prays for other people and that, that you tell other people, hey, I'm praying for you, and that people know you're praying for them. God Going back to, it's never, there's never a good time to stop praying. God is never okay with your sin. Talks about the, how, with Daniel. The thing that Daniel did displeased the Lord. God is displeased with him. We talked about today in youth group of fearing God, having the right fear of God. And, and in Proverbs 8.13 it says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So just a simple question. Do you hate what God hates? God hates a proud look. God hates your sin. Do you hate your sin like God hates your sin. Sin is sin no matter what your situation is. God hates sin. We talk about do you hate your sin as much as God hates your sin. God is never looking down at your sin saying, okay, well, they're going through a tough time. That sin's okay. And I'm guilty of that in my own life. There's times in my own life it's like, all right, well, I got this going on and I got this going on. I'm trying to juggle everything and college and school. And it's like, okay, well, maybe God's not too mad that, you know, I lost my temper, or, or maybe God's not too mad, fill in the blank, I screamed at somebody on the road. It's never, I do have a lot of road rage. It's never okay, I just blame it on the Italian in me. It's never okay to sin. There's never a time where God's going to look at you while you're sinning and say, you know what, that, that time I'm okay with that. He, he's never going to do that. He's always going to be disgusted with it. I, I refer to today in youth group of, of hatred for something. I hate tomatoes. I hate them. I, I express how I believe they're the forbidden fruit, and then God cursed it on a tree, and he threw it to the ground. I believe that. I hate tomatoes. I'm disgusted by it. If I go to, if I go to Wendy's, order Junior Bacon 4 for 4, and I say no tomato, and I take a bite confident that there's no tomato on it, and there's a tomato on it, I'm disgusted. 
I just I throw it out immediately, and it's just, it's the most putrid thing I've ever put in my mouth, except for seafood, of course. But that's how God feels about our sin. He's disgusted by it. There's never a time where it's like, okay, they're going through a hard time. I'm not disgusted. He's always disgusted by it. And I have to realize that in my own life when I want to make myself feel good about my sin or whatever excuse I want to make myself, you know, think, oh, you know, maybe this one's not too bad. No, God's disgusted by it. And, and silly, maybe you fill in the blank something that you hate, but if God sees my sin as I see tomatoes, that's a problem. If, if I get myself in that mindset that that's, God has such a hatred and disgust for my sin, it's easier for me not to sin, no matter what we're going through. Jesus expected them to have faith. Turn again, Matthew 14 and chapter, chapter 14, verse 31. Matthew 14, 31. <clears throat> we'll start in verse 30. But when he saw the wind, this is Peter walking on the water, and he says, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, when you cry unto God, sometimes he'll answer you immediately. And he stretched forth his hand and caught him. And he said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Turn in just a few pages to the right. Luke 8. Luke chapter 8 and verse 25. Luke chapter 8 and verse 25. And this is the storm that we talked about where Jesus was sleeping. And they woke him up. And in verse 25 he said, And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And then being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this that he commanded even the winds and the water, and they obey him? So God expects us to have faith in the storm. God expects us to believe him to get us through, no matter what it is. Whether it's a little storm, whether it's a big storm, God expects us to have faith. Forgetting what God has done in the past will cause you to doubt him in the present. Turn to Mark 6. Mark chapter 6 and verse 52. This is, this is the storm where Jesus walks on the water and talks about in verse 52. Uh, we'll start in verse 51. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and they wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Now this, if you look into, a little bit back in the chapter, we'll see that this is when Jesus fed the 4,000. 4,000, 5,000, the 5,000, there it is. He fed the 5,000, he did this great big miracle. I mean, impossible. We went over it and it would take hundreds of thousands of dollars to feed that many people. And I did the math, I don't, hadn't, didn't have it in this notes, but it would take a lot of money to feed that amount of people. It would take a lot of food to feed that amount of people. And Jesus did it, and it was this great miracle, and the disciples were in awe of it, and it was crazy, and they believed God. They're like, wow, you're the son of God. But then they get into the storm and they lose faith. They get into the storm, and it says right here, they considered not the miracle of the loaf. So they forgot what God did in the past, and it made them doubt them where they are today. So when you're in the storm, when you're going through a tough time, don't forget what God did for you in the past. Don't forget that when nobody looked for you and nobody searched for you, God found you and God saved you. And you, you put your faith in God. Don't forget the time when, when you didn't really know how you were going to make it through and, and God brought you through. Don't forget the time when Whatever it may be, you may think of, oh, well, I have this bill and I can't pay, and you prayed and you prayed and, you, and God miraculously paid it. Don't forget those times when you're in the storms. It talks about in, the Israelites forgot God. The Israelites did a whole lot. They went through the Red Sea and they still complained, oh, how is God going to do this? God is amazing. God can do great things, whether it's in the past or in the future or whether it's right now where you are. God can get you through. And God can do amazing things. God 
expects us to have faith in him. It's easy to have faith when everything's going great. It's easy to have faith in God when you're not in the storm. But when you're in the storm, God expects us to have faith. God, God is faithful. We'll jump into the next point that God is a faithful friend. God never leaves us, so we should never doubt him. He never leaves us and he never forsakes you. In Matthew, in the other story, Matthew 14 and verse 26. In Matthew 14 and verse 26. In 14 and verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. He was, on, he was out there with them in the storm. And go back to Mark chapter 6 and verse 48. Mark chapter 6 and verse 48. And verse 47 says, And when he even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And we're going to focus right here for this point. It says, And he saw them, toiling and rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. So there's two different storms that we see here in the scripture. One, G G Peter is walking on the water, and Jesus is walking on the water towards them. They're, they're over here, and they're struggling, and Jesus sees them. It says right there in verse, and he saw them. So Jesus is on the mountain, and he's praying, and he's talking to God, and he sees them. And then the storm over here, we see that Jesus boat with them, but he's sleeping. So whether, whether you didn't pray and somebody else prayed for you and Jesus came to you, or whether you're in the storm and Jesus is with you and you pray and you wake him up, Jesus is always there. He's always there waiting for you to cry out to him. And always there, and he's a faithful friend. Jesus never leaves you. I mean, time and time again, whether whoever it is, and whether it's something silly, like I call somebody and they didn't answer, it doesn't mean that they forsook me, they just weren't available. Jesus is always available. No matter what you go through, Jesus is always available. And talk to him. Talk to God. Tell him, tell him what you're going through, and he'll be there. Pray to God to wake him up. We talked about that. It talks about in verse uh, 48. Walking upon the sea, and he would have passed by them. That, that's crazy. I, I, I actually didn't notice that until about a couple months ago when I was reading this. And he said, and he would have passed by them. That means that Jesus is literally walking on the sea, and they're over here toiling and, and going crazy in the ocean. Jesus is just walking. And if they didn't cry out, he would have just walked right by. It said that he would have passed by them. And many times in our life, we feel like Jesus is just walking by us. But in reality, it says that he would have passed by us, but until we cry out. And times in my life where I feel like, oh, this is bad. Uh, I get down on myself. And when I get down, I really get down and... I mean, Haley will tell you that. She's like, why do you let it bother you for so long? But that's just the way I am. And, and, but until I finally get a, get a glimpse of what I need to do, and I pray and I cry out to God, and she's like, wow, Jesus was here the whole time. And, and what's crazy, and this isn't part of the message, but no matter how bad you mess up, Jesus is always there. I mean, think about Paul. Think about the prodigal son and just all these crazy things that all these terrible things that people have done, Jesus still saved them. And Jesus still took them back. So we say, oh, well, well, I'm in this storm, and it was, it was that storm that you were talking about that I did it to myself, and I don't know how I'm ever going to get out of it. God wants you. God wants you to return to him. No matter what it is, no matter how bad you think it is, God wants you to turn to him. And he's there, and he's always there. He's always there. He, he, he can't not be there. It's just who he is. He's omnipresent, which means he's always there. Whether you want him to be there or not, 
He's there, and you can always cry out to him and call to him. Jesus is waiting for you to wake him up. Are you praying enough to wake him up? So we see we have a sovereign Savior, that God's always in control. and We have a praying partner that he's always praying for us, and we should be praying for other people and praying for ourselves. And We, have, we see that he's a faithful friend, that he never leads us. But lastly, we see that he's a calming comforter. And turn with me, and we'll end here in Matthew 14. In Matthew 14, and we talk about that storms end. We see here in the end of the chapter, in the end of every passage, whether it's Matthew 14 or Mark 6 or Luke 8, whatever passage of Scripture that you see a storm, even in Acts, we see that Paul went through this great, big, mighty storm. They're all recorded as ending. And we know we were here in New Jersey, and we see Hurricane Sandy swept through, and, you know, it ended. There's a lot of destruction, and some storms are bigger than others, and some things last for years, but they always end. And you say, Anthony, well, I don't feel like I'm ever going to recover from this storm. Well, in heaven, the storm will end. In heaven, every storm will be ceased. And no matter what the problem is or what you're going through, in a thousand years from now, that storm will be over, and you won't even remember it. Storms end. God will calm your storm. Don't lose faith. Keep your eyes on the eye of the storm. In Matthew 14, in verse 29, in verse 29, it says, and he, and he said, Come, and when Peter came down out of the ship, and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. That's not the right one. In Matthew 14, oh, keep your eyes on the storm. When Jesus, when, when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, that's when he started to sink. We see and said, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried, Lord, save me. So when you're going through the storm, keep your eye on the eye of the storm. And see in Matthew chapter 8, in Matthew chapter 8, you don't have to turn there. And in verse 26, it says, and he saith unto them, why are ye fearful? O ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds of the sea, and there was a great calm. The calming comfort. That calm didn't come until Jesus came. And until you pray and you cry out to God to calm your storm, it may not come. You may, your storm may calm when you get to heaven and everything's all right, but your storm can calm now if you cry out to God. And it's not a one-time thing, all right, I cried out to God and I'm okay, and, and I'm never going to have another storm again, and I'm never going to you know, worry or do anything. I do that in my own life sometimes. I'll have this, this great time of prayer and this great time of revival, and then, and then I'll go a week with, with having you know, day-to-day normal devotions. That's not how it's supposed to be. God wants us to have calming, great prayer with him every day or whenever you need it. Maybe you can go two, three days, and, and you're not going through a storm, and you're meeting with God, but God can calm your storm Every time you cry out to him, storms end, and God is the great calmer. Your storm may calm on this earth, but it will always be completely calm in heaven. All storms end. So some days are better than others. So like I said before, everybody goes through something. Probably a lot of you are going through something right now. Whether it's, it's Christmas time and you take a moment and you realize, oh, well, th- this is sad part, and I wish this was this way or this were that way. And I know how that feels. I know how, I mean, you know, we all know what, or most of you know what my family's going through, and this is our year of first, they call it. This is first Christmas without mom, and, you know, I know what it's like to cry the night before Thanksgiving and, and not be happy. Oh, it's, you know, and, I, you know, this is my first year making my own turkey, and well, praise the Lord, it came out pretty well, and not a big fan of turkey, but it was pretty good, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Lord, forgive me, that was pride. But, you know, I know what it's like to go through things, and a lot of people... 
in this church know what it's like to go through some really hard things. And this year, there might be some people, maybe your friend's going through something really hard this Christmas or something really difficult this year. I challenge you, please reach out to them. There may be someone that you know is in the hospital. Reach out to them. Or maybe you just want to write a thank you card or, you know, visit somebody. I challenge you to do it because not everybody is having the same Christmas that they have every year. Not every, not every day is a good day. We talked about, you know, going through different things. I remember, I remember just, I wrote that down because Haley said that to my mom in the hospital one day. And I, I honestly was like, why would you say that? Every day is a good day with God. And then, you know, that's just like how my brain works. And my mom was like, you know, hey, that, that, was, that was really good. I'm really glad you said that. Because it's true. Not every day you're just going to be this happy, go lucky, cheerful person. But you can always have that deep-rooted joy because you have God. So know that. That if you're having a bad day, it happens. It happens to everybody in this room. I guarantee it. But you can always call out to God. But God will be there waiting for you to call on him. Don't lose faith in God who is in control. You know, there's a lot of things in this life that we could put our faith in that are going to fail us, whether it's our car. And I remember one time, many of you know, some of you don't. I, have, I used to have the car, a little Sentra. I used to call her Debbie. And she was a nice, reliable, great car. And one day I'm driving to work, and I just, I'm just, just driving. Now, I was going pretty fast because I stopped at Starbucks and I didn't have time. But it's fine. And, I, and it just goes, and I'm, then nothing on the gas. Nothing. So I was just pulled into the parking lot, and it would go in reverse, but it wouldn't go forward. So I was like, well, <laughs> tall the throw trucks, you know, turns out transmission, you know, more money than the car's worth, and we junked it. That car failed me. God never fails. You, know, you may have friends that you call them up, and they're just like, ah, I don't have time today. God always has time for you. God always has time for you to call out to Don't lose faith in a God who's always faithful. Don't use circumstances as an excuse to sin. This is just reviewing before we close. No matter what you're going through, God expects perfection. Now, he, does, he knows we're not perfect, but the Bible says, be perfect as I am perfect. We should, uh, we lear I learned this in college, and Brother Charlie says it a lot. And He says, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to be. We should always be striving to be better and to reach, and to reach that high potential that God has for us. Don't lose God, who is in control. Don't use a storm as an excuse to sin. And realize all storms end. And realize God calms all storms. In a storm, you may be in a storm tonight. Not a doubt in my mind. Tens, twenties, thirty people in here going through something that maybe nobody knows about, maybe your family knows about. Call out to God and ask for help. Call out to God, and he will help you. He will, and he's always there. But maybe you know of somebody who's in a storm. Reach out to them. Or maybe someone you don't even know, but you see they're kind of down and, and, you know, pick them up. Pray for them. Help those in a storm. And maybe this message just tonight was to prepare you for a storm that you're going to go through. Maybe a couple days, a couple years. We hear it said that either in a storm, out of a storm, or going into one. And it's true. This, Christian, this, this Christmas season, think of those. Think, think of those. Well, if you've ever been my teacher, you can attest that I have horrible handwriting. <laughs> And I was like, I was like, sometimes I have to pause and really, like right now, I can't even read it. Think of those who are going through it and do something special for them. That's my challenge for you today. Whether, whether you really need this message because you're going through it or you know somebody who's going through it. But I challenge you today, be a blessing to somebody this year. Do something special for somebody who needs it. Prepare for the next storm. Keep your eyes on the eye of the storm. So whether 
And maybe, you know, you're, you're going your Christmas and everything's fine, but like Pastor Juan even preached this morning, it's all about Jesus. Keep your eye on Jesus. Whether life is crazy or whether the storm's calm, no matter what, keep your eye on Jesus. Keep your eye on the eye of the storm. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you that you're always there. And I thank you that you are all powerful and we can put our trust in, in the God who is all powerful. God, we're not putting our trust in man. We're not putting our trust in the schools or anything, or especially not the government. God, we're putting our trust in you. And we thank you that you're always there and that you're always ready for us to call out to you. God, I thank you for this message. God, I thank you for how it's helped me personally, God, in the times when I just needed you. God, and you're always there. I pray that it would be a blessing to them here. I pray that myself included, God, that I would do something special for somebody this Christmas who needs it. God, I pray that you just put somebody on my heart, put somebody on my mind who needs a special blessing this year. God, I thank you for all the people in this room, God, all this church that was a special blessing to me and my family just throughout the year and all that we've gone through, God, and just how many people are just there for us. God, I pray that you'd give me the privilege of doing that for somebody else. God, I love you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.